Good morning. Good morning. It is morning for me when I'm recording this podcast interview here today. Welcome to a new episode of New Normal Podcast. If this is your first time here, thank you. I appreciate that. My name is Andrew Mayer, and this podcast is all about innovation and innovating in these digital times. Keep trying to change that. It's just about how we use the internet to get stuff done. That is uniquely interesting today. I've got two guests. I haven't had two guests on the podcast before, I don't think, um, actually from Australia. So this was a Zoom interview. As much as I like to cycle to my interview guests and interview them, kind of hard to get down to Western Sydney University in New South Wales, Australia. I spoke with Daniel Safiotti. He's the Deputy Chief Information and Digital Officer at the Western Sydney University. And Nick Smith, he's the General Manager out in Asia Pacific for Smart Communications. You might remember I've interviewed the CEO of Smart Communications a few episodes ago. If you're interested in that one, go back and look in the catalog here. It was very interesting to hear what, what James's ideas and some of his thoughts were about how you get from being a, a science student to a CEO of a tech company. But that got him on the podcast here to talk about how the university applied some of the smart communications software, their smart IQ application, to digitize forms online uh, processes, to, to take information that people are putting into systems there, whether it's applying for something at university or submitting a document or a thesis and things like that here. Really fun uh, conversation. My luck was... Well, my luck there. Sydney is still in a bit of a lockdown, as some of you will all know around the world here, and they're getting ready to come out of it next week. So they weren't rushing off at the end of their Friday to to go to the restaurants and enjoy the weekend. I got them to sit down for a little bit of time with me to talk about how they applied the software to make things more digital and more actually user friendly. I think Daniel mentioned it a couple of times, just the experience need to be improved here. So that's the episode here. I don't have many updates this week. I'm back from the United States. I'm going to cover that in a different episode to go forward here. I've hired a podcast editor who's going to hopefully get these episodes out more quickly. So I'm really excited about that. And uh, But I'm going to cut to the chase, get to the interview here. Daniel Safiotti from the Western City University, Nick Smith of Smart Communications. Thank you for taking your time out of your week to listen to this podcast. Well, this morning... I get to talk to Sydney. And yes, that's Sydney in the other side of the world. For me, I've got two gentlemen to talk about universities and digitalization and how a process and a piece of software is applied to, to make things possible and to digitize there. Daniel Safiotti, I'd like to first start with you since we're talking about Smart IQ by Smart Communications and you're from Western Sydney University. I'm going to link to a video that you made in the show notes here for those who might want to see that short uh, recording that you made. Daniel, could you explain what the problem was that you were trying to solve here? And uh, what do you mean by forms platforms? Okay, so that's a great question. And thanks. Think about traditional forms that you'd fill out on paper. Uh, you fill in a bunch of fields, typically in writing that you may or may not be legible to other parties. Data that's largely unstructured. So for example, you might write your state in longhand as opposed to an acronym, and then you give it to someone, and this someone will process it. And then they might say, I fix a stamp to it. Perhaps you pay the fee to have your license renewed. And then, of course, it may go to someone else in the office, and they may do something else. 
and it'll go to someone else and someone else. So the whole idea of the forms platform is really to take the way which we have always traditionally done forms, had them processed in organizations, and present the form in a manner that allows people to fill it in online with structured input. And then more importantly, uh, once you click on that submit button, have it go through a workflow which sort of passes through all these virtual hands that do their things. And the beauty of a forms platform is it makes it transparent. It makes it easier to know where you are at. And most importantly, it helps quantify really effectively how well these processes uh, actually work. Now, for us at West, we have been using forms platforms for a number of years. And what's happened is they've grown somewhat organically. We've had a, a forms platform from Adobe, a forms platform from Microsoft, and then the list goes on. And for us, what we wanted to do is we wanted to consolidate all these platforms into only a select few so that we could provide a much more tightly integrated experience uh, to our customers, specifically our, our staff and students. And in terms of problems, really for us, it was about taking some of these traditionally poor experiences that we've had, whether it be thesis submission or graduation, or even most recently the COVID-19 pandemic processes, and, and turn them into seamless, accessible forms that, that pretty much anyone can work with anywhere, anytime, or using any device. Preferably in that. So it sounds like a, a, a typical thing we'd be doing in the 2020s, right? We're moving from paper to online, just to simplify what you're saying. But behind these forms, there's processes and workflows and things that are moving things through. That's something that we as a user, as part of the experience, we don't normally see until we get that notification or maybe even a letter in the mail saying, we're missing your date of birth or something there. And these form platforms and these processes are supposed to try to simplify that, but also make them more efficient. And I'm guessing you're taking steps out of the process and hopefully reducing the amount of error that might be introduced into this. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. When, when I think of this, I think of the Simpsons and uh, the DMV experience and some of the Simpsons episodes. You've got a character in the Simpsons that goes to the DMV and wants to renew their license and and God knows what happens to that paper form that they submit. These platforms allow us to model that process in software and then more, more importantly, really optimize it so that you get a much better experience. So Daniel, you're at the university and Nick from Smart Communications, you guys have a, a, a solution suite called Smart IQ. What does it do and what was it designed to, to enable here and how was it maybe applied to the university? Smart IQ's the front door to digital engagement. So as Daniel talks about, uh, and you mentioned there, and you traditionally you know, pay for forms, you fill them in, and something then happens. With Smart IQ, really two things happen. There's the, the, the collect function. So how do we get information into our organisation, the university, initial or a bank, as quickly as we can, the format we can use. But also when we're collecting that information, how can we, if it's someone we already know, pre-populate some of those forms, some of the data sets, so we show them and we know them, we don't have to ask the same information twice. And also, how do we then use that adaptive interview, we call it, as opposed to a form, to actually upload supporting documentation or pictures to help validate who you are for identity perspective or help give the organisation you're engaging with information they can use to make a decision. So that's front-end adaptive interview collect is one part of Smart IQ, mm. and the other part of Smart IQ 
the Daniel Touchstone was the collaboration piece. So once you've got the information into your organization, what do you do with it? Well, you put it through a workflow to make decisions on it, to validate the information, to maybe ask qualified questions. You don't want to make a decision on it. And then you want to act on it and give the decision back to the person you're dealing with to make a, a relationship move forward. In real terms, probably a good example is in Australia, we actually support the, the passport application process. Mm. I've been in Australia now 15 years. When I first came over, it was a 14-page form to get your passport. You had to fill the paper in. You had to go to your local post office, make an appointment. You had to take a ream of paper with you to validate who you were, birth certificate, <laughs> certificate, all these different things. And then you had to queue in line. And then you had to be at the desk for half an hour, whatever else behind you is looking at you go, why is this man taking so long at the desk? I want to do my stuff in the post office. And then the person validating your form made you feel like you were at school because again, yep, you've got that form right. You've got that bit of information, well, go away and come back. So really not a good experience, not a good process, and not a great um, uh, use of anyone's time. We've now automated that whole process. So you go online now with your passport, you fill in the form digitally, you upload your documents, you then print off a single form with a barcode, you take it into the post office. It's all been pre-validated, mm. they scan it, uh, and they take a picture and it's done. So that's a good example of where Smart IQ takes a horrible process and an emotional process, you know, and makes it very simple. I've got two different types of people that I know that interact with my podcast. So I've got our age group, I'll just say the over 38 to be nice to all of us here that have been in business and doing things. And we understand exactly what you're describing. We've done those applications, whether it's for a passport or driver's license. And then I've got <clears throat> younger people, interesting enough, that are, let's say, under 25 that won't know what you're just described because they've done most everything. And I've got a couple of 20, young 20-year-olds 20 here at home. Everything's happening on their phone, right? If it's not on their phone, they're basically not interested. That's why they still have food is because they can order it through their phone. What was the situation, Daniel, for Western Sydney? Was 2020 a, a trigger to do to apply this sort of stuff more quickly? Or had you had this planned for a longer time? So we've used Falls platforms for a, a number of years. A lot of tooling technology space really relies upon forms and workflows. Our technology landscape has become very complicated over the course of the last few years. And it's primarily because of new systems or adding new systems to, to our business. So when you think about a university, for example, you have a, a system to manage students. You have a system to manage potential candidates that may be wanting to enroll in your institution. You have a system that you know manages the actual learning side of the house. You've got a system for pretty much everything. You've got a system for the HR function, the list goes on. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to unify some of these systems so that when a person requested something like uh, a variation to an enrollment or a variation to Cambridge if they're a research student, this could actually work fairly seamlessly without them having to go to each individual system independently. And so for us, Smart IQ was a great choice because it allowed us to create really nice forms, engagement channels for our students, faculty, whoever may happen to be, and have it tightly integrated with technology landscape. So I had been on the cards for quite some time. Now, I'd be lying if I said that 2020 did not force us to really change the way we operate. I would say, if anything, from 2020, 
we learned to operate at a much quicker pace as a result of the pandemic. And on reflection, I think that's certainly been a good outcome of what was otherwise perceived as or seen as a, a bad situation. Now, Smart IQ has allowed us to quickly stand up forms, forms which are intelligent by having them integrated to various systems to deal with problems really quickly. And a good example of how we manage COVID in our universities. Mm. Um, in Australia, in New South Wales in particular, universities have wanted to keep very close tabs on what their staff and students are doing. They've wanted to comply as much as humanly possible to the health mandates that have been issued by the state. Mm. And what we found with these particular platforms, Smart IQ in this case, is is they really enabled us to get a form out there quickly for our students to respond to COVID, uh, the same for our staff, and, and the list went on and on. And from my perspective, challenging year, but I think we did it particularly well given the circumstances and Smart IQ really facilitated that. So this is taking these paper forms and, and traditional processes and moving them online. I'm guessing some of these are, are going to be, the student is trying to, you said, submitting a, a thesis or something or a document or something like that. They could be doing this from their laptop or from their phone, I assume, right? Yeah. So, so the whole idea is any device, anywhere, uh, anytime. And um, akin to the Uber experience or yeah. Netflix or whatever it may happen to be. And for us, a lot of the forms had already existed electronically, but the problem is they, they weren't complete. So if you went to a form, it didn't necessarily have all that pre-populated information from the other systems. So people had to enter that data again. And so for us, the real benefit here was that integration that SmartIQ gave us with other systems. For, in the case of our, our COVID response, what we found, we were able to create uh, forms really quickly. And I don't think we could have done that with other platforms during the pandemic, to be honest. It's this, this traditional problem that I've talked to clients over, over the last, say, 10 years since the internet and digital has been a thing is you already know me in part of your business, right? I've already given you my phone number or piece of information here. And now I'm over two doors down, why don't you know that information? And sometimes there's good reasons to keep data separate in certain parts of organizations and businesses. But for basic information of your, whether it's a social security number or a postal address where you want to have something mailed to or an email address uh, that you've already given to university, your clients that you're talking to, for a lot of them are going to be between, what, 18 and 25 years old for a, a majority. They live in their digital devices, many of them do, and they'll know what once I give it to my food delivery organization, they already know where I live and it always works the right way. Why can't the university work the way? So what you're describing seems for us, it seems this is great. This is a big step forward. But for a lot of people, yeah, this should have been done like years ago. What's the reaction been like for from the staff and from the students and the users of these applications at the university there? You're spot on. A lot of people are of the view, why can we do this sooner? And I actually don't think it's entirely a technology problem. The technology has matured to a point whereby it's pretty elegant and it's pretty simple and it allows a lot of this stuff to be done. 
But the, the vast majority of the issues actually are organizational. And just mm-hmm. to give you some examples, people in organizations are really protective. What you have is you'll have one organizational unit saying, we collected that data and we should be the only people who use that. Mm-hmm. Or you've got other parts of the organization saying, oh, this data is extremely sensitive and therefore you can't use it in the manner that you wish. And, and there is lots of perfectly valid reasons for this, mm-hmm. but I would say a lot of the organizational tensions that exist result in some of the, I guess, crummy outcomes that we produce on occasion. And and universities are not the only player in this space that do this relatively poorly on occasion. It's government departments and so forth as well. I think if I I reflect back on the year, uh, COVID has taught us the necessity to respond quickly. Mm. And more importantly, it's really focused us on working as a team. And, And I think this collective goodwill that's been accumulated over the course of the last 12, 18 months now, if not longer, really has been the drive for some of these changes in approach. This sounds like you're onto a great, a great path. And I've talked to organizations of every type, whether it's an insurance company, a bank or retail, and they have what we've always described as silos. So you've got silos of organization and from data and things like that. And you're trying to not necessarily break down those silos, that, that would be nice, but also just make that less of a hindrance to, to getting stuff done, which to what I, my simplification. When, Nick, when it comes to deploying these smart IQ kind of solutions, is, are these projects that take months, quarters, years, or is this something that is done more easily? Or I'm sure it varies on the, out, the situation you're approaching there, but could you describe what does it take? What is a customer looking at when they're looking at a solution like this? Yeah, let's see. As Daniel was talking, I was thinking about another university who, early in COVID, this may be alien to, to some of your listeners, but our borders are closed. So Australia shut its borders. And so we threw lots of people out, lots of students went home to all their different countries. And the universities were like, well, are they going to come back? Um, and we had a university in two days deploy a form that went out to 60,000 kids, all of them all around the world, okay. all of their old devices all sitting in their bedrooms at different places, basically say, look, where are you? How are you feeling? Are you planning on coming back? Mm. And then they use that information, along with the fact that the borders were closed and the health or the restrictions of people's travelling, to actually pivot the university to do online learning. So they found out where the students were and started communicating with them and then changed the way they delivered education for the last 18 months over here. So that ability to engage huge populations of students very simply doesn't exist without technology like this. When you've got the technology, you can deploy forms in a matter of days, if not hours. If you're doing it for the first time, it depends on how big the scale is, but it can be done in weeks rather than months or years. So coming um, coming from a technology uh, communications background where normally we would we had 18-month projects, right? We're talking about yeah, exactly. hardware and, and machines would have to be ordered and, and brought in on trucks and cables connected together. And uh, the three of us know what that means. Some people might not understand what some of that is. You're talking about things yeah. that, depending on the use case that you're trying to solve, can be done extremely quickly. Yeah, absolutely. That's the benefit of having a, a genuine SaaS platform. So literally the customer buys access to the platform, so there's nothing to install, nothing to plug together. The issue the customer have to fix is the data flows, mm. so getting, the, getting it connected and then making sure they've got the right questions and the workflow to answer. So the technology platform exists out of the box, and it's just configuration, so no code. And I think to your point, I've got a 15-year-old daughter who's been sitting in her bedroom for 100-plus days in lockdown doing school from home, 
ordering off all sorts of e-commerce sites. I think the delivery guys will be coming to our house 15 times a day. I think they know her by her first name. Um, and Smart IQ is really trying to give organisations like Western Sydney and others that ability to have a conversation. That's two-way, it's adaptive, it changes channels, that can be on your mobile, your laptop, your phone, but it always retains context. So the data is the key bit. So, oh. you know, get the data right. And, and ours does, as organisations, connecting with you, the ability to show you that we know you and to make sure that the transaction you're involved with, whatever it may be, is done once, which is what the younger generation expect with their digital experience. Get it done, get it done once. You you threw in there the younger generation. I can attest to the people I speak to how quickly the older generation adopts to these things as well. We're like, finally, those computers, those PCs, those things that we were told in the 80s and 90s that we're going to make our lives better, they're actually doing things for us now and we don't have to submit something three or four times to get something done. I have a final question and I want to pose this to Daniel. This is my standard question I ask all my guests on my show. And I think, Daniel, you're uniquely suited to answer this one. As I read uh, online that in 2014, you had really bad internet access and you you built a radio connection using a, a friend and a cousin in order to send the beam over a hill or a hilly area so that you get faster internet there. So you've been doing solving digital problems for quite a while in a very unique way. My standard question is, what does innovation mean to Daniel? I think it means to experiment. I think it means to take risks. And I think it also means to accept that sometimes you're going to succeed, preferably and hopefully, and sometimes it's going to mean complete and utter failure. But, but all is not lost. From those failures, you can concoct uh, new ways to do things. I... From an organizational perspective, I'm of the view that everyone has a responsibility to innovate. More often than not, you know, we create in organizations functions that are, that are targeted solely to be about innovation. But I think everyone has got a role to contribute ideas to the melting pot around how things can be fundamentally better. And, and that's really at its core. Uh, how do you make things better for all? You have to experience. So I'm wondering, that person that worked in the passport office 15 years ago, they weren't into experimentation probably very much. So we're, we're talking about a different way of approaching things and, and being open to, to change is what you're describing. And everyone can mm. play that role because everyone as a part of that process. Daniel, Nick, I appreciate you coming in on a late afternoon in Sydney. I know that, as you've described, the pubs and restaurants are still closed, so you're not running out the door just yet, but next week things will get better. Thank you for being here on New Normal Podcast, and I hope that lockdown loosens up, and I wish you a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Much appreciated. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you. 